We are so glad and so honored, and we want you, we want you to receive, and um, we're going to tell you a little bit of history about it, and we're just going to talk to you for a little bit today. By the way, Pastors Phil and Meredith send all of their regards and all of their greetings. I'm so glad they have a week off, you know, to get away. They put their whole hearts and everything into it. But we needed Paracletos Holy Ghost this week. Cause yes, we got, sir. We got three grand boys that we take care of while they're rejoicing in the Lord somewhere. And I told Kathy this morning, I said, you know, that's not our season no more. But anyway, we're, we're rejoicing. But we did it, babe. We, we got. Did. Come on. Come on. We did it. We got three kids dressed, happy, fed, in the car, and to the church building by 845. You should be afraid of us. I'm just kidding. It was an amazing thing. But uh, anyway, what, what great memories and times that we're having with them. And, you know, you, as, as those of you that don't have, that have children know, the time goes so quickly. Yes, it so does. So we're, we're thankful for the time that we have with them as well. But listen, one of the things we're going to talk about today, and I'm going to ask you about, you don't know this, but I'm going to ask uh, about child, how does the Holy Spirit help you raise children? Some people think that the Holy Spirit is only for when you're at the altar, mm -mm. you know, when you have an experience, which, which I don't uh, undervalue at all. But being led by the Spirit is not just in some kind of a public manifestation. Right. Being filled with the Spirit gives you the opportunity to develop a relationship ongoing every day with the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna, we want to take it a little bit out of uh, what we might call the mystical or the the ethereal and bring it down into your life here in just yeah, a moment. Absolutely. All right, everybody ready? Say amen. amen. Come on, clap your hands one more time, everybody. It's Pentecost Sunday. Might as well get started here. And um, what, what I wanted to do was was to um, walk uh, a little bit through just, just very briefly, just a little bit of the history of Pentecost in America because um, a lot of people don't know how we got here. And, and Pentecost is different than Pentecostalism. All the isms will will pull you into some kind of a thing, you know. But what, what, what might be interesting for you to know is that about 100 years, 70 to 100 years after the resurrection of Jesus, most of the church, this is where the book of Revelation comes in, out of seven of the churches written to, five of them had already drifted away from the power of God. Only two of them were considered maybe to be still in revival. And then over time... They start doing away with apostles and prophets, and then all the way through the, what we call the Dark Ages, then was, was only uh, Roman uh, Catholicism, and there wasn't a lot of moving. God always had people somewhere, but that was the main emphasis throughout all of the world, and it's referred to the Dark Ages. And then you had the invention, what, what the main thing that really uh, changed it was the invention of the printing press. 1500s, 1550, was that 71559, somewhere in there, the printing press, because what happened then was that the Bible got put into the hands of people, and people started reading about it, oh my goodness, information is power, Yes, it information is, is power, when you, once you start realizing it, 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 it is the job of the oppressed to maintain the ignorance of the oppressor, the job of the oppressor is to maintain the ignorance of the oppressed, once you get information, you can't be held, held back so often. And when people start reading the Bible and realize there was power available to them, there, there was the, the work of the Holy Spirit, it, it led into a whole, whole new thing. Of course, Martin Luther then wrote the, the thesis, and that's where Protestantism began. As we get here into America, what happened was the Holy Spirit, God was uh, wanting to pour out the Holy Spirit fresh in America. 
because many of our churches had kind of digressed into formalism and routine and ritual. Good people, nothing, nothing wrong with the people, but, but God said, I, I, want to, I want to turn the heat up on this thing. So there was a man by the name of Charles Parham. Charles Parham started teaching in Topeka, Kansas. And, um, and Charles Parham, this was 1901, I believe it was. And Charles Parham started teaching in Topeka, Kansas. And uh, he started preaching and teaching really about spirit, soul, and body. And teaching about what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was 1901, all the way in Topeka, Kansas. And there was a young man that heard about these meetings, about people that were coming and they were being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and receiving a prayer language and miracles were happening and all, sometimes all kinds of different manifestations. But this young guy who was a Bible student heard about it. And his name was William Seymour. And William Seymour heard about those meetings and he said, I got to get there. I got to get there. And, and when William Seymour went there, he received of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And William Seymour then went all the way to California to a, to a, a little mission and, uh, on the street of Azusa. It's Azusa Street Mission. I don't know if we have a picture of that building or not. I don't know. We may, yeah. So, well, there's Azusa Street. There it is. That's the Azusa Street Mission. And the Azusa Street Mission, as you can see, was kind of just a broke down little nondescript kind of a place. And William Seymour... At th this is about 1904, 1904 through 1906 era. William Seymour would get there and preach about what he had received. And here's the thing, everybody. People from everywhere started coming. Mm -hmm. From everywhere. People, people started coming out of cathedrals to sit in a mission. Yes. Mm -hmm. When you get hungry for God, you're not going to attach the furniture. No, sir. And, and this was one of the signs of the Pentecostal movement because, because there's nothing wrong with beautiful buildings and things like that. But, but it said something because, you, come on everybody, it's 1900, early 1900s in America. And so our, our nation was incredibly segregated by law. By law. Oh, I love it how God chose a one-eyed black man who is the, the son of a former slave. And put him in a broke down building and started bringing people from everywhere. everywhere. They was coming out of cathedrals. They were coming out of hierarchy. They were coming out of they were coming out of buildings that were worth millions. Today would be worth millions of dollars to go sit in that building to hear that man preach against every social norm because something in them said, "I want everything God has from me." Right. Jesus said, "Blessed are the hungry and thirsty, for they shall be filled." Yes. Anyway, I'm going to let you talk in a minute, Kath, but I get stirred up about it because I'm going to tell you something. He started preaching there, and people started coming from everywhere. And you know when you get filled up with something and God touches you with something, then you take it back from wherever you came from. And it just started going like fire all across America. <clears throat> and people started being filled with the Holy Spirit. And some, some denominations embraced it at certain levels, but many did not. And the thing was, so many people were coming i got to give you the whole history, you know, at least the, the true history on it. And really, our denominations, our Pentecostal charismatic denominations started out of that movement. And they actually split along racial lines because they didn't understand that the Spirit of God, watch this now, I'm getting ready to drop something on you. Wherever the Holy Spirit is poured out is always integrated. Absolutely. Always. 
No, 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 no. You, you missed that. Because you have to understand in Acts, which we're going to get to in a minute, in Acts, remember when they poured out the Holy Spirit? It said there were people there from all nations. Mm -hmm. And every man heard in his own language. Because the day of Pentecost is the reversal of Babel. Right. Because at the Tower of Babel, they were as one, had one language, and they said, we're going to do our own thing. And God divided right. their languages. The purpose of division is limitation. Right. And then at Pentecost, he said, I'm going to give them all a new language that they get. And people from every nation was there, and God reversed it and, because people from every nation were there. Then when the Holy Spirit is poured out in this, in this nation in the early 1900s, even though it was not even, it was not even uh, acceptable and many times not even legal for, for meetings to be integrated, God said, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it anyway. And people from all, every time the Spirit of God is poured out, it's integrated. But when people drift from it, people drift from it. And anyway, so, the, so people came, and numbers of the white pastors wanted to start churches, but they didn't want to be submitted uh, to black leadership. I'm just telling you the truth of it. Just hang on. They didn't want to submit to black leadership, so this, that's where we have the divisions of. And so then, you know, like the Assemblies of God, Church of God, all of those things, and then the Churches of God in Christ and, and those things, that's where, the, that's where the, the divisions came from because they didn't know how to work together, even though that's the way God started. They right. should just let it roll. Just let it roll. Right. Just let, You don't have to change what God does. Just let it roll. You don't have to fix it. Anyway, they did. And, um, but out of those meetings then came, came great leaders. And so, so the, the largest uh, denomination um, for uh, African Americans was, of course, the Churches of God in Christ still is. And the founder uh, of that is uh, Charles Mason. And my, what a preacher he was. I have a picture of him in my office that I keep just to remind me, you know, I like to know where I came from. You know, I like to know where my... <laughs> And Charles Mason was, was one of the great leaders. Out of that, yeah. those movements came what we call the voice of healing movements. The voice of healing. Because when the Holy Spirit is poured out, there are signs and wonders and miracles that gives you a faith to believe God for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in your life. When you receive the infilling and, uh, of the Holy Spirit and you're walking full of the Holy Spirit, don't limit it to just a prayer language. Right. And I don't want to minimize that, but... Right. Don't limit it to that. It gives you access to all that God has for you, and you can walk in discernment and prophetic words and miracles and laying hands on people. And so out of that came the voice of healing movements. And so uh, we, have, we have through those meetings, oh, Catherine Kuhlman, this is another thing. So Catherine Kuhlman was, was you know, one of the dramatic people. And if you guys have ever seen Catherine Kuhlman, you know she was so dramatic but you have to remember again how the Holy Spirit breaks down barriers because they didn't let women preach. Right. You know God don't ever ask you what he's going to do. And as a matter of fact, when they said, well, we, we don't believe in all that, we don't believe in all that, God said, you're going to believe in it after this right here, you know. And he dropped that anointing on Catherine Kuhlman, and she became one of the most well-known people, and people were receiving the Holy Spirit, and people were being... Uh, having miracles and all those things, and she was. Can, I, so, can yeah. I just say to the women in particular that this this woman and many others that even came before her were women out of their time. Out of the when time. we're talking about it culturally, but that's what the power of the Holy Spirit will do for you. 
It will help you to step into a season that man doesn't want to open to you, but God has opened to you. So be, be, I think before her time, because you have like Amy Simple McPherson. Maria Amy Simple Woodward McPherson. Better? What's uh, Maria Woodworth Petter? Yes. Amy Simple McPherson set natural records. Yeah. Like in, uh, like in other words, she was the first female to alone drive coast to coast by herself in a car. She was the first female to own her own radio station. Mm -hmm. It's still functioning today in Los Angeles. She, she, she was very dramatic. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. She would go into a town, and sometimes here she is, this woman driving by herself from coast to coast. She'd pull into a town, and she'd go down to the, to the square, set up a box, and just stand there and be like this. She'd stand there until the crowd gathered around. Then she'd start preaching to them, getting them healed. And I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying, ladies. I'm sorry, I don't want to make this just to the women, but I am going to tell you that if God says it's time for you to do something, I don't know why I'm saying this, there's somebody in this room that needs to hear this. If God says it's time for you to do something, even if naturally it doesn't look like the right season, it's the right season. And he is going to give you the strategy and the word and the resources that you need, the Holy Spirit will give you the strategy, the word, and the resources you need to step into that moment. And that's what it means to be led by the Spirit right yes. there. When she said, I feel like this is somebody. If that's you, jump up on your feet right now. This, this is a Holy Ghost service right there. There. All of you ladies say, I'm receiving that word. You might be the first person in your family. You might have had something right. in your heart to do. And other people didn't encourage you in it, but you have a help on the inside yes, of you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you can do it by the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. Amy Simple, God bless you. Amy Simple McPherson ended up going to Los Angeles. She was so dramatic. Charlie Chaplin and those guys used to go to her church because she was dramatic. If she was preaching about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, she'd bring four horses out on the platform. All you ushers ought to thank God you wasn't her usher. <laughs> yeah, you done had to clean up a lot after my service, but you ain't never had to clean up none of that. And, um, and, um, and, and, and because she was so dramatic. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being uh, the, the headquarters is where they started the four square church, churches came out of her meetings right, right there. And it's still there, uh, Angelus Temple. She's still there. And, guess, and some of you, the younger crowd, will know it as the Dream Center now. The Dream Center in Los Angeles is still, still right there. So uh, God would use people in so many unusual ways. And then out of that also came A.A. E. Allen. I love talking about A.A. E. Allen because A.A. E. Allen used to hold a lot of meetings in Toledo. And uh, I think Pinewood, Tabernacle, and some of, some of our different churches came out of his meetings here. And he held recordings here. And A.A. E. Allen, he was, he was something. He was something. And uh, if, you go, if you go online, and you can find A.A. E. Allen to see the miracle services uh, mm -hmm. of people receiving miracles, but he, he came here or to Toledo. This is before my, my time he came. So you see that's in black and white, right? Okay, I just want to make sure we're, we're understanding each other. And he came here and, and to Toledo as he did in many cities. And as a matter of fact, Catherine Kuhlman used to preach on the east side, and I went and preached at the church there because Catherine Kuhlman used to preach there. There was a place right on, on Main Street there on east side. She would come here on Fridays and then go to Cincinnati on Saturdays. And so I used to want to make those, I, I used to want to get in behind them, you know, so, that, so I could have some of that impartation because impartation is, is incredible. Anyway, you got A. Allen, uh, Catherine Kuhlman, and, of course, Oral Roberts was one of, the, one of the greats. Oral Roberts was the first person 
to under the tent meetings. Yeah, he came here and preached. Well, look at this. He was one of the first people to ever broadcast live on television miracle services from tent meetings. And it was an, an incredible thing because TV was the only way to reach people, mass, mass communication. And it, even though it attracted critics, it silenced critics because they would say, well, you're making this. They said, well, we'll just do it live then. We'll just do it live. And people would come and, and, and get miracles. And um, the other day I was watching the time he preached right here at Cornerstone Church. Some yeah. of you were in that service. And to think of, of, of the miracles um, that came through those movements. And so that, that just keeps going on. I just want you to know that, that today there are six hundred million Holy Ghost Pentecostal yes, charismatic people in the world was started in, in, in our country it went to the it went to the world I want to take you all through all that but anyway I was just thinking about how how both of us were raised in spirit-filled families yeah and what that means yeah I received my prayer language when I was probably about five or six years old I remember it very vividly very vividly, we, um, if there was church happening within 100 miles, my parents were there, and they drug us along with them everywhere we went. I like that word, drug. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> they took us with them. They drug. And um, at the particular church we were attending when we were younger, we had church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Saturday night prayer meeting, and we went to all of them. And Sunday school. And Sunday school. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Saturday night prayer I remember meeting. the songs. Do you, did any of y'all remember the, the Sunday school songs? Did y'all ever have a Sunday school song? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday is the day I get up bright and early, but I don't go out to play. I get to go to Sunday school and learn the golden rule. I think it is a lot of fun to go to Sunday school. You're welcome. You're welcome. I remember my teenage song. Y'all remember the PYPA song? We are the members. Okay, anyway. Anyway, so it was on one of those Saturday night prayer meeting services. We were in our pajamas. They would dress us in our pajamas. We would go, am I right, Mom? We would go to Saturday night prayer service, and they just prayed. They just prayed. That's all they did. And I was sitting next to um, my mom while she was praying and praying in the way that a five-year-old would, and just like that, it hit me, and this language started coming. I'll get emotional about it right now. You're allowed to. This language started coming out of me that at five or six years old, I, I don't even have the words to be able to maybe even adequately, I don't need a tissue, I'm fine. <laughs> um, I don't even have the words at that age to maybe adequately even scripturally define it for you, but I knew it was real. I knew it was real, and that was the beginning of my understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit. So I, I, I just want to remind parents that what we're doing back here behind this wall with our kids is just not Sunday morning babysitting services. God can reveal himself to your children in those spaces in a way that so dramatically impacts their life that no matter how many twists and turns and, and sidetracks they might take along the way, 
because there were a few just because just because I received a prayer language at the age of five or six doesn't mean that I didn't do stupid as a teenager. I had my moments, but that experience so marked my life that I could not deny the realness of God or the realness of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's it, one of the things that that I like to to bring clarity to in the body is I'm, I'm against um, I'm against elitism. Yeah. So I want to make sure that what whenever you feel yourself as superior as a Christian to any other Christian because of what you have or an experience that you have and they don't have, please resist that. Okay. And I want to be really clear about that because um, because we are one body. Yes. And sometimes, uh, you know, people get into a particular doctrine or a particular emphasis or they have a particular knowledge or they, they done figured out three words in Greek or Hebrew and now they're, you know, they get a little bit of elitism. Like, you know, we're the only, only people because we're the only mm -hmm. ones that understand what the true Sabbath is or what the real baptism is or what the way take communion is, all of that stuff. So I want to say that because we want to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit and to receive all that the Spirit has for you. But I want to make sure that, that, that no one make, feels like that makes you a first-class right. citizen right. and somebody else a second-class citizen. All right, because I have also known that that, that the spirit coming into a person's life sometimes um, uh, shows himself through them in different ways than it may someone else. And, and I know that there are people that have lived their life as good Christian people, have the fruit of the spirit, and the spirit of God works in them. But but it doesn't always look like it looks to everybody else, and then somehow they feel like they you know they're less than because they don't prophesy. Or something like that. So I just want to make sure. So here's, here's some scriptures. Acts 1 and 8. Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive power. These are the words that Jesus told them. You shall receive power. Power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the parts of the earth. It is the power that comes on you right. in a different level after you receive the Holy Spirit. Walking through a few scriptures here. Acts chapter 2, right? This is the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly the there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and cloven tongues or, and filled the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues as a fire set upon each of them. Am I right about that? <coughs> Verse 3, yeah. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire set upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And, th and this, this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. And this is why this is Pentecost Sunday. So Jesus told them, go wait in that upper room, and you're going to receive some power. Which was 50 days after the resurrection. Yes, 50 days after the resurrection. So you have the Old Testament, you have the three feasts of Israel. You have Passover, the blood of the lamb. I will pass over the door. Then you have tabernacles. And then you have Pentecost. That's their three big feasts right. of the year. When we move into the new covenant, we realize Jesus is our Passover lamb. Tabernacles, that was their wilderness dwelling in tents. Jesus was dwelt in a human tent among us. And then 50 days after his resurrection, was Pentecost, first fruits. And so, that's, and so that's why we celebrate it. And that's why the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
he was giving them the outpouring of the Spirit. I want to I read this verse out of uh, Acts uh, 2 as well, because this has to do with what you just said. Acts 2, yeah. He says, for the promise, promise. is unto you and unto your children, children and unto those who are far off and to as many as the Lord your God shall call. And I think that helps us to realize the Holy Spirit wasn't just poured out for 12 apostles in an upper room, or really 120 in the upper room. It wasn't just for 12 special apostles. It wasn't just for the next five years for people that lived during that time. It's for everybody alive on, on the earth. The Holy Spirit is for This promise is to you. Would you just say out loud, this promise is for me. Yeah, this promise is to me. And the promise is for you and for your children, for your children's children, for as many that are far off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. So, so th those are a few of the scriptures I just wanted to give to you. And then we're, we're going to talk about, um, somebody says, well, but I've already been saved. This is Acts chapter 19. Not doing a total teaching today. But th when they came to the, the coast of... Um, Ephesus, up in the upper coast of Ephesus, uh, it, it says that they came to pass when Apollos uh, was at Corinth, passed through the upper coast of Ephesus, he found these believers. They were disciples. And he asked them this question, have you received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, since you believed? Right. So they, they were already disciples, but he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we ain't even heard about the Holy Ghost. They were so far out there, they hadn't even heard of it. And he said unto them, then how were you baptized? They said, well, John's baptism, right? So John's baptism was unto repentance. All right, let me go on to verse 5. Uh, and, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, verse number 6. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them. They spake in tongues and prophesied. They'd already been saved. They got baptized twice. They were saved. John's baptism, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then they receive. So, so you can receive the Holy Spirit at a greater level after you are born again. Right. Everybody got that? So Kathy was telling her story, and we're going we're gonna to talk about it a little bit more. I want to do something right here. So, so, so the, the blessing of being around spirit-filled people that also understand order is that we're led by the Spirit. We have an order of service. We have things that we should get done. We have things that we're doing. We may have some things written down to keep us on track, but we also are sensitive. Right. How many times did you see in the Bible where it says, and Jesus perceived their thoughts said unto them? Nobody asked him a question, but he could feel it, you know, right. and discerned mm -hmm. it. And, and sometimes uh, when you're, when you're uh, whatever it is that you're doing in life, whether it's raising kids, being married, whether it's starting a business, whether you're, whatever it is that you're involved in, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you who, who can let you know, well, this was my plan, but I, all this, I need to do, go this way. This is impartation. So um, I was saying hi to some people this morning. I saw uh, Rodney Jordan, now known as RJ. He done growed up in RJ. And I saw him <laughs> sitting there, and it made me think because... Um, Right across the way from him is the Witcher family, and their son was ordained last year as a youth pastor in Atlanta, and I've been seeing him doing good, and, and knowing them from, from when they was this big, and so I'm, I'm going to tell Rodney's story, and this may be the last time I ever tell it, because I know you get tired of me telling it, <laughs> but uh, Rodney is now uh, helping to lead worship and, uh, and a pastoral role at the Started in Nashville, and y'all are in Chattanooga now as well? 
you're in Murfreesboro and going to Chattanooga. I keep my eyes on you. I don't want to watch it. And, uh, and when, when he, the first time he sang for us, and I'm talking about this because this is the Holy Spirit. The gifts that God gives you, natural gifts, whether you're good with numbers or athletics or arts or music or logical thinking or create, whatever, those are gifts that God gives you. What you do with it is your gift back to him. God don't take the gift away from singing from, from people that he gave them music right. and then they use it to sing about all kind of crazy stuff, right. you know. And he don't, if it was, see, that's why it's good we're not God. If it was me, I'd just take it out of them on the stage one day. I just, and they, they wouldn't be able to do nothing. Mid-note. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God gives that as your gift. Then what you do with it is, is your gift to him. But when you can put the spirit with it. Yes, sir. You can break yokes. Yes, sir. Lift burdens. Change the direction of people's lives. And um, anyway, so when we were, we were on Airport Highway, and, and someone said to me, you should have Rodney sing on a Sunday. And you, you all know me. So I said, well, can he sing? <laughs> you know, I mean, he was 14 years old. He was about 14 years old at the time. Maybe, is that about right? Yeah. And so I, I, so I said, well, can he sing? They said, no, he can sing. So I said, okay, come on. And so Sunday morning, they get him up there. And all them years ago, you know, and, and part of it was it, he was a little bit nervous and all those kind of things. And so, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the, in the mood for it. And so <laughs> he got up there and he was singing all shy and had his head down. And so um, those of you that have come later on into our church know that you get the nicer, easier version of me. But back in that day, I was like, so I get up and I just stopped him. I said, stop. <laughs> on a Sunday morning, I... I all them people sitting there, and I said, I need you to open up your mouth and sing, right? So it's, that was back in the days of tracks, you know, the music track thing. And so I had so rattled him that he missed where he should come in the next time. And so he looks over at me. I was sitting on the platform, and he said, can I start that over? I said, no. <laughs> open up your mouth and sing. And uh, now it's just a whole, it's just a whole thing. So I finally got up, and I walked over to him on the platform and grabbed it. This is where the Holy Ghost comes in. And, you don't have, and I knew everybody didn't understand it, and I was going to be the bad guy and all that kind of stuff. I didn't care. And I grabbed him and shook him. It's called impartation. <laughs> oh, yes. It's called, you're going to find the Holy Ghost today, boy. <laughs> impartation. And I shook him, and I said, in the name of Jesus, open up your mouth and sing. And all of a sudden, y'all, some of y'all were there. All of a sudden, he went, and he sang. It was like that sideways electricity. Right. Went through the church, and I toward that place. I was like, thank God. And, <laughs> and he ain't never stopped. And, and for all those years, I could count on one hand the number of services he missed in 20 years. Singing at everything. And every time he would open up his, that anointing. Just a few more minutes that we're going to pray for you. How many of you sense that right there? So one of the things of the Holy Spirit is that you can sense things. Yes. So I was going to ask you because I, I see um, something that's been on my heart a lot lately is our, how we are raising young people in our country and how parents have a lot of, a lot of struggles and the young people have a lot of struggles and, and our teenagers in, in early 20s and things trying to find their way. And um, 
What would you say as a parent, how does the Holy Spirit work with a parent, mother or father, either way, parent, grandparents, caregivers, aunts, uncles, foster parents, whatever, but how does, how does, how does the Holy Spirit work in that regard? Well, the good news is something um, that you mentioned earlier, that the Holy Spirit is just not here on Sunday morning. He's with you 24-7. And he's not just with us because we're pastors. He's with you. He's with every believer. He was given to every believer. And so that means that as you go throughout your day, the Holy Spirit is there with you. As parents, we have a certain level because we're connected to our children. Um, We have a certain level of intuition or discernment to use natural words. The Holy Spirit intensifies that by a thousandfold. Whatever you, whatever discernment or in, intuition you think you have as a mom with your children, the Holy Spirit will intensify that. I don't know how being a parent, um, looking back at raising our own two children I, as, a, as a parent, I don't know how I could have um, navigated, navigated that um, effectively without the power of the Holy Spirit. For example, there were times that we would potentially be out of town. And um, one time in particular, I'm thinking with one of our kids, we were out of town, and, and I just had that sensing, um, that, that sensing from the Holy Spirit, not just mom's intuition, that sensing from the Holy Spirit that one of them is in, that they're in a compromising situation. Not necessarily a dangerous situation, but a, a moment where, because they were in their teen years, a moment where they were being pressured in a direction that, that they um, were not comfortable with. And that I, as a parent, would not want them to be in that situation. And I got up, we're in a different time zone, middle of the night, I get up and just start praying. Holy Spirit, I don't know what you're speaking, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here, but I am trusting you to surround my child with the angels, yes. with the presence of God, to, put, to protect them, not just physically protect them, protect their mind, protect their heart, protect their spirit, and I just began to be to begin praying in the spirit because the scripture tells us when we aren't sure what natural words to use to pray for our kids, we kick over into that prayer language that God has given us and the Holy Spirit prays for us. And, and I remember coming home um, or actually the next morning calling and speaking with them and saying to them, was A, B, and C happening? And they were like, yes, it was. And I said, well, I just want you to know, I got up and prayed for you because I had a sensing from the Holy Spirit that this is what was going on. What did you do? And they said, I found the courage to go to another place, to remove themselves from that situation. So that's why I'm saying the Holy Spirit will speak to us because, as you know, the older your kids get, you can't spend 24 hours a day with them. You can't monitor every moment they are with you. So you have to depend on the relationship that you've built with them, on the relationship that you are helping them to build with God for themselves, and on the relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit 
to give you the insight and the understanding that you need to, ha to I think help. It's, I'm sorry. I think it's part of the, the relationship of the Holy Spirit is learning to develop that relationship. Yes. Where you, you learn to be sensitive and to be sensitized. You know how like uh, we, we have these things that happen all the time. Just when you're thinking about somebody, how they shoot you a text or call you. And you're like, mm -hmm. I was just thinking about them. But how many times is it that, that a name will come up? Yes. Or a face. And then, you know, and then we just go on. But I started especially more after the first of the year, I decided intentionally that I wasn't going to just kind of brush that off. Right. That if, if a name came up or a face came up that I was going to either pray or reach out to them. I can't tell you how many times that somebody would say, I was just going through something. And it would be at the right time, at the right place. I got to tell a funny story of parenting. So when, because, so Kathy and I were going to go to a hockey game. And uh, <laughs> Stephen Michael would have, how, how old was he, 14-ish, 15, yeah. something, somewhere in there? Anyway, him and one of his friends were at the house, and Kathy and I were going to go to the hockey game. She says to me, is it okay if you think if we leave these boys here at the house? And I said, yes, because I want to go to the hockey game. <laughs> so, so I said to the boys, I said, I don't want you all to give me no trouble. Watch, watch TV, whatever. Just, you know, be still and know that he's Stay gone. Stay in the house. <laughs> yes. So anyway, we get, we get, we're at the hockey game for a little bit, and they had a break in the hockey game. And so Ka Kathy calls the house phone in the break. She, she has her cell phone. She calls the house phone. It rings off the hook. So she calls Stephen Michael's um, cell phone, and he's just cool as a cucumber. Hey. She said, where are you at? He, he said, I'm home. She, he said, we're back here playing music, so I couldn't, I couldn't hear the phone. She said, okay, I was just checking on you, blah, 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 blah. And she hangs up. Like, you know, like, and she looks over at me, she goes, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> so, so she calls him back and she said, I need you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was all that. It was all that. <laughs> she calls him back and she said, uh, she said, go stand by the house phone. Cause I'm getting ready to call the house phone and I want you to answer it. She called the house phone. It rang off the hook. She called him back on his things said busted and she looks at me she said come on let's go I said why we got to I ain't done nothing <laughs> why well, I got to mess up my evening I said oh he's busted now we ain't got to go anyway <laughs> so so sometimes as a parent whether it's a humorous small situation or right. something that may be may be important or something's going through seasons then then being led by the spirit the, the verse that Kathy was talking to comes out of Romans 8 Romans 8 is a great chapter on the Holy Spirit. Yes. But Romans 8.26 tells us that the, the Spirit, Spirit will pray. pray. I don't know why King James uses the word itself. But anyway, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities so, because we don't always know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit itself, most translations will say himself. I don't know why that's there. But, but the Spirit himself will make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And you will come to a place in your life when you don't know what to pray. Right. And, and I like the way that, that Paul wrote it to the Romans because he said, maybe as we ought. Okay, maybe I should know what to pray for. But you can get some bad news. You can go through tough times. And you don't really even know what to pray. Right. But thank God for the Holy Spirit who will make intercession for you and just begin to pray. Uh, because the Holy Spirit will always pray according to the exactly. will of God. Exactly. Can, can I just say, like, even, oh, we're talking about kids, and we can get back to that in a second if you want. But um, I just want to talk about marriage as well, 
There are times when you've been married long enough, you, you can tell if your spouse. I know, because if, if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost. Stop. I wouldn't have been able to. Could you just mute that mic right there for a sec? <laughs> but there, there will be times that you can tell that, that your spouse is struggling or trying to think yes. through something. Or maybe the two of you are, um, you know, kind of button heads about something. And, and I'm going to just speak to the ladies very quickly. He, you mentioned earlier that the same word that is used in the New Testament for Holy Spirit is comparable to the word that's used in the Old Testament for Eve or woman, Eve. And, and so I just want to say that that doesn't mean you are the Holy Spirit for your husband, but it does mean you should behave as if the, as the Holy Spirit behaves. That means when the Holy Spirit comes and needs to bring correction or something to us, the Holy Spirit does it in a way that is redemptive in nature. It's not condemning in nature. It's redemptive in its nature, in its tone to us. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and, and bring criticism and speak um, down or condescendingly to us. He speaks in a way that lifts us up that calls us to a higher level. And we, as women of God, when we're speaking to our husband, when we're speaking to our children, if we're going to speak as if the Holy Spirit were speaking, we have to speak in the same tone. We have to speak in ways that are redemptive in nature, that call who, call our children, call our husbands, call ourselves sometimes to a higher nature, that calls us up to another level. I don't come speaking at him, I'm not saying I've always been perfect at it. I'm sure he could tell you the times that I haven't. But I definitely don't try to come at my husband or my children with criticism, with straight-out criticism. They don't need me to point out the problem. They know the problem. They know what the situation is. I speak to my family members, to my husband, to my children, in ways that reminds them of who God says they are. I speak the truth to them, but I speak it in love. I speak it in a way that says, this might be the behavior that you're exhibiting, Stephen or Meredith, but that's not who you are. That is not who God has created you to be. And if you live that out in front of them, they'll tell, um, because I wasn't there personally, so tell the story about how when I would leave town when Stephen Michael was young, it, it, it was a physical attack, but it actually had a spiritual root to it. He would get asthma. Yeah. He wouldn't be able to breathe when I left town sometimes. And tell that, tell that story about how the Holy Spirit worked. Yeah, out. so he, he had been out of town, and Stephen had um, gotten so bad in his breathing that we ended up having needing to put him in the hospital. And he was in the hospital for a few days. You know, they put them in the tent, and they helped them to breathe. And he got better, and we, we came home, and he was home. And a couple days after we got home, he left again. And seriously, guys, listen to me. I'm not making this up. Within two or three hours after he left, Stephen was right back in the same position of breathing, of having a difficult time breathing. And it's not like I wouldn't have taken him back to the hospital, but it all of a sudden became very clear to me, this is not a natural thing. This is not a natural thing. And so I picked him up. I called a couple people that were like prayer warriors, and I said, I need you to pray. 
this is what we're going after. I picked him up and I walked through the house for probably three or four hours. Walked through the house, would sit down with my arms got tired and prayed in the spirit over that child. And here's the thing, Meredith was like four years old and she started walking with me and praying in the spirit. I don't even know if it was real prayer language, but she was imitating me. The fact is she was watching me fight in the spirit for her brother. And at the end of that three or four hours, Stephen was breathing normally. Everything was back as it should have been. And we never from that moment forward had any more respiratory issues with Stephen Michael. Sometimes you just got to break it. Yeah. You just got to break it. The Spirit of God leads us into all truth. You shall receive power. Yes. Power for yourself to overcome things. Power against the enemy. You have the dunamis, the power of God. I want to give maybe one story, and then, and then we're going to wrap up here and, and believe God and pray with people. Because it's not only knowing what not to do or what to be afraid of. Sometimes you can hear the Spirit of God say something. Yeah. Um, that that, that when, you, when you pray, that you can also believe God for the interpretation of that prayer. Maybe not, I'm, I, shouldn't, I don't know how to best say that. Maybe not word for word, but the meaning of it. Let him that prayeth in the unknown tongue pray that he also speak in the unknown tongue, that he also interpret. So sometimes I will pray something out in, in the spirit. And by the way, I never had an aversion to it. Let me say this for you, for some of you that may be afraid of it. I was at a, I was at a New Testament class at Lord's College one time, and it was taught by um, the fathers of, uh, of, the, of the church that would teach the class. And we came to Acts chapter 2, and I was trying to be incognito. And we came to Acts chapter 2, and somebody started asking the questions about Pentecost. And I didn't know that the father knew who I was. And he said, I'm going to turn this class over to Michael Pitts to teach on Acts chapter 2. And I was so glad to do it. I was happy to do it. But what I realized was that some people had an, an aversion to it because of either what they had heard, seen, or experienced on their first time being presented with the things of the Holy Spirit. And I realized I didn't have that because my dad, who's sitting here, prayed, was filled with the Spirit before I was ever born. But my first experiences of really being able to cognitively remember situations was with my mom's mom, my grandmother, who was a prayer person. And I, I can remember sitting in her house as a, as a young person. She put me on the couch, and she would be cleaning the house, and she would go to praying for all of her kids, start calling their name out. And then just as natural, as natural could be, she, she would go from calling their names out, and when she was done with everything that she knew to pray, she just prayed right into tongues. And she'd say, I pray for this one and that one, and Lord, watch out for this one and that one. And he, she never missed a beat. Mm -hmm. And so I never had an aversion to people praying in an unknown tongue. I never had an aversion to it because that, that was the way that I came up. So I've learned over the years that sometimes you can, you can also say to yourself, I need to know, I'd like to know what that prayer was about. The Spirit of God will lead you into all truth, the yes. Bible says. He doesn't force you into it. We are led by the Spirit, not pushed by the Spirit. He leads us into all truth. And one time, right after pandemic, you know, that, that we have been through transition here, which meant our roles were changing uh, in the body of Christ as a whole. We're 
making sure we're finding our fit, what God's assignment was for us in the body of Christ. Half the world was shut down that we were trying to get to, and everything was closed up. And, and, and you know, so I'm doing the same prayers everybody else is praying. Those that had businesses or homes or places, I'm praying to ask God, what are you trying to say? What are you doing? And I just kept praying, and all of a sudden, I just felt coming up in me. And I started, started had something on it. See, and so I, I, over the years, I've just learned just to, just to yield to, when I say yield to it, not like it was forcing itself on me, it was just bubbling up. Jesus said in John 7, you know, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So it, it's not coming from here, it's coming from here. And I just, and I was walking through the house, just kind of worshiping, and I said, God, what are you saying to me? He says, get ready, get ready, get ready. He says, I'm about to turn it all, and everything you missed is coming back to you. Woo! That's all I need to hear. That's all I need to hear. Sometimes, in other words, it's not always just some, there's trouble over here, or right. there's an alarm over here. The Spirit will lead you into all truth. He'll lead you into your next season. He'll lead you into, into many ways. We could, we could talk about it. I remember driving way. in the car one day with, um, with Stephen. I, I believe it I don't believe it was. We only had was. two kids. Yeah. It was Stephen. And, and we were talking. He was like, I think, a junior in high school. And we were talking about, you know, plans for the future for him. And um, he was saying, you know, I'm thinking about this, and I want to do this, and blah, 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 blah. And I was saying, yeah, yeah, you know, Stephen, you could do that, you could do that. And all of a sudden, this just sensing of the Holy Spirit came on me. And I'm driving down the road, and I reach over, and I put my hand on his chest. And I said to him, I just want you to know, Stephen Michael, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that everything that God has for you and your future is already on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is going to help us to discover and to uncover whatever it is, but it's already in their son. And, the, and you know when you have that moment with your kids or you have that moment with the Holy Spirit, you can feel that yeah. thing. You can feel that strength going into him. It, and he wasn't even talking about doubts or any of that. He was just saying, you know, this option or that option. And I just had that sensing, I just want to speak that over my son right now and remind him that whatever God has for him in his future is good. It's good. How many of you have children you're praying for and you, and you needed that right there? Jump up on your feet, right where you're at, right where you're at. Let's just play a little bit of something in E-flat or something. Parents, listen to me. God has given you the authority yes. to speak over your kids' yes. life. Yes. To speak over. It's not just flowery words. It's not just pleasant words. Yes. God has given you the authority, and the Holy Spirit is backing that authority up yes. with the power of God. Yes. If you lay hands on your child and speak the goodness and the future that God has for them over their lives, God has given you the authority to do that. It's not just you being a positive mom or dad and hoping for the best for them. Something happens in that moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. 